Hello, welcome to Okawa Book Club. So we're your hosts, I'm Dylan. I'm John. And we're going to be discussing the teachings of Riho Okawa. Riho Okawa is a world teacher, master, and CEO of Happy Science Group. Today, our book is The Power of Basics, Introduction to the Modern Zen Life of Calm, Spirituality, and Success. Well, let's go straight into it. John? Could you tell us the table of contents of this book? Sure, Dylan. Uh, the book is divided into two parts. So part one and chapter one have the same title. It is The Power of Basics and the Time of Silence. Chapter two is a Q&A session on the power of basics. Part two, The Power of Basics and the Road to Success. Chapter one of part two is a lecture on the power of basics. And chapter two of part two is a Q&A session. This is maybe uh, not a phrase that we're familiar with in this country is the power of basics. It's actually a translation of a Japanese word, bonjitete. What does that mean? So in one way, it means the power of basics. Another way, you could say it is dedication to the basics or doing all the small things properly. It's like a, a way of thinking that doesn't neglect the fundamentals in life. And it doesn't think little about the mundane tasks, but it actually thinks that those tasks are the most important to maintain consistency and steadiness as human beings. In the preface of this book, it says, when a religion grows large, it cannot be completely separated from worldly systems. So we need to purposely and consciously carry out our spiritual discipline. That means that, in one way, our hearts tend to become tainted in this material world. You know, John, we were talking about things like politics and economics and, you know, these world affairs. Yeah. But going into that world sometimes leaves us with a kind of sour taste in our mouth or even brings us to a kind of dirty side of life. And it corrupts us a little bit, sure. little by little. But this power of basics is something that keeps our heart pure and authentic as human beings. So that's why I think it's so important. And, you know, I think a lot of <clears throat> what's described in this book and what we're going to speak about are things that should be intuitive for us. You know, it's, it's like intuitively, you know that you build a house on a foundation, you know, and, and these are all very foundational practices. And, you know, it's a very foundational approach to life. But yet it seems like in contemporary times, people have lost touch with the power of basics mm -hmm. throughout much of uh, society. Which is interesting. Yeah, and it's almost like nobody talks about it either. Right. Like, how did how did this treasure of humanity get lost? That's such a sad thing for us. Yeah. You know, we want everything to be trendy, shallow, easy to understand, and almost like sexy and appealing and, right. you know. But this is like a way of life that's the natural way yeah. that humans used to understand very clearly, and that's what helped us get to where we are today. Yeah. Wasn't through instant gratification. Right, not through instant gratification, exactly. So that takes us to uh, chapter one, the power of basics and the time of silence. You know, in that chapter, there was a Buddhist story about drawing water with a bottomless bucket. It's a Zen parable, which basically is talking about filling up a cask or a barrel filled with water. But to fill it, you have to use a bucket with no bottom. So you put it down into the well, you bring it up, but you only have a few water droplets. And then you 
you know, walk over to where the barrel is stored and drop these droplets into there. But it's about spirituality and seeking enlightenment. Actually, enlightenment is not attained in an instant. True enlightenment is attained bit by bit, little by little. And through that everyday dedication to the basics, we slowly fill up our barrel higher and higher and gradually increase our enlightenment through the process. Absolutely, Dylan. You know, I really liked uh, the parable of drawing water from a bottomless bucket, you know, because uh, sometimes it could feel, especially, you know, when you're practicing the basics, it is a very gradual process of development in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I learned it uh, in the martial arts, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it feels like you're practicing the same drills, the same strikes over and over. Mm-hmm. But after you've you know done the same kick uh, or strike, you know, 10,000 times, uh, it's very different from someone who's only done it a few times. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and it applies to all areas of life. So, I mean, mm-hmm. those diligent and regular efforts of the basics over time accumulate. And uh, before you know it, you know, that cask or that barrel is going to be much more full than you think it is. Yeah. And it actually creates real result in this world using these basics. There was another parable or a, uh, a story which I liked from this chapter. It was about a baseball player who could see the stitches on a baseball. Right. When they threw a curveball, he could see it as soon as it was released from the pitcher's hand. And all these things are happening in a very minuscule fraction of a second. But through his everyday training of his physical eyes and his baseball batting abilities, these professionals, actually many of these top, top tier professionals, they can do things like that. It's almost like a supernatural ability that they acquire just through practicing the fundamentals again and again. Right. There was also, you know, a story about a archer who fired uh, without seeing the target and he could hit the bullseye. And his disciple thought that's impossible and he was furious at his master, right? right? But he realized that it is possible to build up one's habits to a level where you can hit a target without even seeing it with your eyes. Right. And it brings, uh, you know, it kind of brings about a development of the mind's eye, which, you know, it does imply that by practicing the basics and having that sense of diligence, there is a spiritual, spiritually benevolent consequence to that. Mm. that can arise almost quite naturally yeah yeah so that's all very fascinating things next i want to talk a little bit just about computers so john could you talk about the uh, dangers of the computer society that we're living in now yeah i mean i i think uh you know <laughs> the biggest danger of the computer society on uh, something that's this discussed in the power of basics is essentially that it causes us to become reliant on like an instant gratification. Mm. So what humanity has lost now is that, you know, the process of learning, you know, Mm. like you could learn, it's very easy, you know, if you could just Google something or look it up in a search engine, get some basic information about it. You're never going to learn thoroughly about something that way, though. You're not going to be as educated as a scholar would be, and Mm. you're not going to understand it uh, in a comprehensive manner. You know, that's one side of, of the new, you know, especially computer technologies that are out. And another uh, problem with them is they essentially can disturb our time of silence mm. that we need in life because 
they are a distraction if we use them as such. I mean, I'm sure uh, many you know people listening to this right now have uh, perhaps while you've been listening to this may have checked your social media, maybe checked your email, and you know we are sort of we become addicted to this tendency, you know, this uh, reward system that we experience. We experience an instant gratification from seeing a notification and so on and so forth. And it's very distracting. One thing I liked, you know, and it's sort of tied into this idea of the time of silence is the idea of setting aside at least an hour and a half each day Mm. for to do something productive, Mm. to learn, to read, you know, to study or Mm. meditate even, you know, something that is actually helping you to lead a more religious uh, life Mm. and a more spiritually fulfilling life. And the idea that, you know, that may sound difficult. Many of you listening might be like thinking to yourself that uh, I don't, there's no way I could have an hour and a half extra time or two hours extra time each day. You know, I have a family, I have a job, maybe two jobs, a lot of responsibilities. But uh, Master Okawa considered that, of course, and, you know, describes how by, you know, he gives some advice for uh, how to work more efficiently. And, uh, you know, maybe Dylan, uh, you'd like to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so really it comes down to organization and planning in our workability, having a habit and a process whereby which we make our daily plan and we strive to do our work as soon as it comes up without slacking off, without leaving it for later. Master Okawa said, unfinished work takes up the most time and quick decision making is actually what is what allows us to save the most amount of time. We spend so much time thinking about things in many cases, but a truly successful person can make decisions quickly and compress their work into very efficient and effective means. That is, you know, what it takes to run an organization and also to run our everyday lives in the best way. Then we can set aside those 90 minutes, as you said, for intellectual pursuits or for spiritual pursuits. But just think about it. Every day, maybe you're sitting on the bus, maybe you're commuting, maybe you have a lunch break, maybe you you have some free time sometime in your day. I'm sure that by adding up these spare times in your day, you can easily find 90 minutes here or there to be able to study and develop yourself because what Master Okawa says is what you study now will affect your way of life, your promotions, and your success in the future, even years from now. What you're doing is planting seeds for your future growth. So if you stop planting the seeds, then you'll stop growing. Mm. I loved that that concept that what you study today is going to affect your work 10 years from now. Yeah, right. That's Maybe I've never heard that before until Master Okawa said so. But so. Um, yeah, it's because our life is not... It does not come down to the information we have. Actually, information that becomes useful is knowledge. And knowledge, once it's deepened through our experience, is when it becomes wisdom. In many ways, this book is teaching us how to be people of wisdom. People who build up that authentic, original self that can not be found in computer-based society, which cannot be found in hectic and beta wave type thinking, but it's something that we can only develop through our dedication to the basics or through the power of basics. 
in one ways it's hopeful once we know that but in other ways it's a kind of warning to us of where we'll fall in case we don't make those changes right right it's such a simple and foundational teaching that if we could just shift our way of looking at life that we could all put into practice you know I like that you mentioned the beta wave phenomenon because, you know, when you're, I think when you're learning something new for the first time and you're having to really be extra attentive to it, it is a very beta wave type of state. But after you've done it so many times, it becomes an alpha wave state. You're doing it more naturally. You're just, and then that's where you enter that Zen-like state of flow. Mm -hmm. um, and you just go through the actions and you do it efficiently and accurately without mistakes. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something, you know, we could we could be doing that no matter what, where you're situated in life. You know, I mean, you might have just started at a new company. Maybe you're on the bottom and you're thinking you just want to get to the top. But, you know, it's uh, it's a gradual climb. Focusing and doing your best at each stage that you're at is mm -hmm. how you're going to be promoted to higher levels. Yeah, definitely. And that, I guess, takes us to part two, which is the power of basics and the road to success. Master Okawa doesn't encourage us to be completely unattached to this world, but he you know, wants us to get ahead in this world and use our position to give love to more people, to bring that light to more people. So he's teaching us in this lecture about how to win in life. And he starts out with building one's basic strength. You know, life is too short to not use our strengths. Most people, you know, we only have one or two real skills that are excellent. Wasting our time on unproductive areas is not so useful for our precious lifetime. There's a lot of good parts in this section, in this chapter. Is there anything that stood out to you, John? I really enjoyed um, the part about criticism. Criticism. Um, you know, Master Okawa was discussing how early on, you know, he was starting to gain a following as a religious leader and once Happy Science, had, you know, was first starting and growing and uh, he was giving lectures to increasingly larger amounts of people. And then he started to receive some criticism from other religious teachers and scholars. I think it was specifically pertaining to Buddhism, that mm -hmm. he wasn't explaining Buddhism in a technical enough way. Because Master Kawa's intention was to make these teachings accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, so even though, you know, initially maybe he might have been a little bit upset by this criticism, but then he reflected on it and he said, you know what, maybe I do need to be able to communicate in the language of the scholars of Buddhism as well. You know, so he learned to. And then he was, you know, able to do that. So it really hit home for me. Um, I actually, the day I read it, I was experiencing um, some criticism myself in academia. And usually I receive a lot of praise in that area, but in this instance, I didn't from a particular type of critic. So it bothered me at first, but then I read this and I was like, wow, that's exactly what I'm experiencing. And, um, you know, it helped me to shift my own perspective on it. Mm, wow. I love that. It, yeah. These teachings, besides being intellectually stimulating, they're very practical. Yeah. And you experience that for yourself. Yeah, you could put them into practice immediately yeah. upon reading. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. You know, one thing I want to talk about also is, um, you know, we are living in a democratic society, which is based on people's choices of what's good, what's bad, what's higher, what's lower. And so that makes winning very tough because even if we win, then we have to keep up the same talents, the same efforts, the same humility, and the same spirit that got us to that level of winning. And in this, you know, part two, he talks about the strictness of being a professional, the harshness of competition. 
we're living in a world with over 7 billion people. So to strive to be the best in your field, the best in your area, is more than 10 times harder now than maybe it was 500 years ago when the population was much lower. The professional world is very strict. So Master Okawa taught us we need to make effort after effort. We have to make efforts beyond what other people are making, but also beyond what we were making in the past. And also, we have to kind of think about the big picture. So our success doesn't lead to the downfall of other people or the collapse of our families or even, you know, the, the people underneath us in our workplace. So he talks about task delegation and producing more added value while we rise to a higher position. I think these teachings for a business person are kind of, it's like a Bible on getting ahead without creating enemies. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one thing Master Kawax uh, is really good at explaining, I mean, well, amongst many, many things, of course, but is the idea of uh, ethical business practices. Mm. Uh, you can still be competitive, you can still be ambitious, and uh, at the same time, be a good person. Yeah. You know? I also liked how in part two, you know, he, he discusses how, like, even if you're very successful, it doesn't mean that you just stop. <laughs> you don't stop developing. You don't stop learning and growing. Um, you know, Master Okawa, for all the success that he has had thus far in his life, which is a tremendous, abnormally high amount of success, he still feels like he has not done nearly enough. Mm -hmm. and remains humble and continues to learn and study every day. And I think that that's true, you know, because if you become, if you achieve, anytime you achieve a certain amount of success, whether it's in business, whether it's pursuing the path of enlightenment or anything at all, really, once you stop, you become satisfied mm -hmm. and you stop growing and then other people will surpass you. Yeah, exactly. That's the key point. Other people are just waiting to surpass you right. at any moment. So we always have to be on our best performance while maintaining that alpha wave that we talked about earlier. Absolutely. So, so much here, and it's a very um, ideologically dense book, but by truly understanding these concepts is what is going to make us into what Master Okawa says in the true word spoken by Buddha, real human beings. I think this book will help produce real, authentic, high-caliber people, and there's no way to fake that. This is a kind of teaching that really brings out our true capacity and true potentials as humans in that religious way. So I really hope you can learn more about this book. So you can get this book at major bookstores such as Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. And you can also find it at our Happy Science locations. It was great talking to you again, John. Likewise, Dylan. In these trying times, stay happy, healthy, and positive.